The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Week, um, I'm working with a group of people who um, have um, decided to attend a daily life practice retreat that we're doing this week here at IMC. And so we're looking at what it means to cultivate mindfulness, develop this quality of mindfulness right in the midst of our day. And uh, in, in working with this yesterday afternoon, talking about this yesterday afternoon, about ways and tools for helping, uh, helping us to remember to be mindful, uh, the question comes up sometimes, well, why? Why are we doing this? You know, how does it help? Or what's the aim of doing this? Because sometimes when we start to look at what's happening you know, turn our attention towards what's happening in our daily lives, you know, a lot of it isn't so pleasant. And so, um, you know, just, just to begin to reflect on, it can be helpful to reflect on what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so I thought I'd talk about that this evening. What we're doing largely here, what we um, explore is mindfulness practice, wise mindfulness the Buddhist teaching on um, wise mindfulness. And um, mindfulness itself, it's actually the more I practice, the more I get familiar with mindfulness, the more I understand it in some ways, the more I feel like it's such a mysterious thing. And so... Maybe just taking a few minutes to even explore what this quality of mindfulness is that the, the Buddha talked about so much. A kind of basic working definition might be knowing what is happening in the present moment while it's happening. And so that's a, you know, just this turning this, this witnessing, being present, being aware. Sometimes those are words that we use. Knowing what's happening while it's happening. Connected with experience. Knowing experience. Those kinds of phrases are often used to uh, relate to mindfulness. And mindfulness itself, the, the mindfulness that the Buddha talked about, let's say, the, the wise mindfulness that the Buddha talked about, is based on a very ordinary quality of mind, this capacity that we all have as human beings to basically know that we know, to be aware that we're aware. And so this simple capacity of knowing what's happening in the present moment is something that's just human. It's just a very natural capacity of our minds. And in a way, it's, it's one of the things that makes us human, that we can turn back and know what's happening in our experience. And yet, there's, there is this possibility that we can turn back and know our experience, but often we are not there. Often we are lost in our thoughts, lost in past and future. But even if we do come into the present moment, even if we are aware of what's happening in the present moment, sometimes it comes with an agenda or 
views, opinions, ideas, orientations about what we want to accomplish being in the present moment. And so I want to be clear. I want to explore a little bit about what the Buddha meant when he talked about wise mindfulness. He explored, he actually, I think it was a brilliant move on his part to recognize this simple quality of turning and knowing what's happening in the present moment can be extremely powerful for us in terms of helping us learn about our hearts and minds and helping to free us from the ways that we get caught and struggle in our lives. But that simple quality, this ordinary quality of knowing that we know, this ordinary human quality, needs to be cultivated with particular perspective in order to lead us towards this understanding of our minds, to lead us towards this understanding of why we struggle in our lives. And this is the whole point that the Buddha went on his journey for. He started on his journey with this question, why do beings suffer why do being struggle, wanting to do, you know, hoping and wanting to be happy in their lives, why do they do the very things that make them unhappy? Is it possible to be free from this kind of struggle, this kind of suffering? And so this question of suffering and why we suffer was foremost in his mind as he engaged on his journey. And so in coming to this tool of mindfulness, of turning attention to the present moment, there is a particular perspective that's helpful. And it's a simple perspective. It's relatively easy to articulate. But it's not necessarily one that we would stumble on without somebody to tell us, hey, this is helpful. So the simple perspective that's helpful is to recognize what's happening in the present moment as a phenomenon that's happening in the present moment. So, for example, you know, if you were to go um, out on the street and somebody, somebody out there being angry, if you went up to that person and said, hey, do you know you're angry? Probably they'd say yes, or maybe they'd, you know, be, be mad at you. But, you know, there is some way in which people in their everyday lives know what's happening for them. And if you ask them, do you know, do you know that you're angry? Well, yeah, of course I know with that, that I'm angry. What do you think? You know, of course I know I'm angry. And if you were to tell that person, notice your anger, what do you think they'd do? <laughs> Probably it would be, you know, pay attention to the thoughts. Think about what they're angry about. And so this is not what is meant by being mindful from the Buddhist perspective of turning our attention to know anger in the present moment or know whatever is arising in the present moment as a phenomenon so that we understand, oh, this is anger. This is what anger feels like. Not why am I angry? Who am I angry at? How can I fix this problem? But turning to the experience. What is this experience of anger? So the self-reflective capacity that we have as human beings can be used to further our goals, further our agendas, 
um, accomplish things, fix things, change things, get rid of things. And it can also be used to turn our attention towards what's happening in our moment-to-moment experience. So this shift, this is a a different kind of perspective. It's basically, in, in the example of a reactive emotion, the encouragement would be to let go of the uh, thoughts, you know, let go of the uh, orienting towards the thing you're angry about or reacting to, and turn instead towards the experience of reactivity. What does that feel like? What does that feel like in the body? How does the mind feel? The tension, the tightness in the body and the mind, often with reactive emotions. So this is not a necessarily obvious thing to do. Because when we do this, in particular with reactive emotions, what we notice almost immediately is, wow, this doesn't feel good. This hurts. This reactive state is painful. And partly that's why we perpetuate a cycle of reacting because all of our um, what we're trying to do to get rid of that anger is basically to try to get rid of the feeling and the only way we know how to do that is to lash out in the world or to remove ourselves from the situation to somehow navigate the world to change the world or to change something in ourselves to eliminate you know to move ourselves out of the situation and what the Buddha pointed to was the possibility of learning from our what happens in our minds. So learning from reactive emotions along with learning from the beautiful states of mind that can come up in our, in our lives. So this, this practice of turning towards our experience is used or is explored not only for the difficult states that often come up in our daily lives, but also for states like love and joy and compassion, kindness, generosity, all these beautiful states of mind. We are asked to recognize what's happening when we're feeling generosity. What's the experience of generosity? What's the experience of compassion? What we find as we turn towards states in this way is that pretty quickly we begin to get a visceral understanding that certain states of mind are in the moment not productive of well-being reactive states of mind in the moment when they are felt it's pretty clear this system this organism is not in a state of well-being while it's experiencing a reactive emotion on the other hand while it's experiencing something like compassion or kindness or joy or love there's a, the feedback when we turn towards that is that this system the organism is experiencing well-being and so this simple tool of turning towards our experience begins to give our system an education about what leads us to struggle and what leads us towards less struggle, towards more well-being. So this is a key 
understanding behind wise mindfulness. That wise mindfulness offers us this perspective of orienting towards what states are worth cultivating and supporting in our hearts and minds and what states might be worth letting go of. And so the, the practice of wise mindfulness begins with turning to our experience. And we, one of the tools or one of the encouragements that the Buddha offered us, especially around the experience of suffering, he said, understand it. Understand suffering. And by understanding, he didn't mean think about the story and figure out why it happened. He meant, what is the experience of suffering in the present moment? How does it happen? How does it come to be here in the present moment? So this kind of mindfulness, this turning towards our experience, it begins to carry with it a... Uh, kind of some qualities of non-reactivity, of not being judgmental about what's happening in the present moment. It's kind of a middle path, and the, the middle path the Buddha talked about basically helps us to avoid suppressing what's happening and also avoids indulging in what's happening. So, you know, even somewhat paradoxically, perhaps, you know, I said that the, the turning towards our experience with mindfulness helps us to see that reactive states are suffering here and now. Our usual way of dealing with that is, well, then let me get rid of it. How do I get rid of this reactive state? Basically wanting to push it away, wanting to, to figure out how to stop it. Well, You know, that would be nice if we could, upon seeing the suffering of a reactive state, if we had some kind of switch we could flip in our mind and say, oh, that hurts, I'll turn it off. But it doesn't seem to work that way. But what this practice of mindfulness does is it creates the conditions for... if As we turn towards those reactive emotions and feel that this hurts. Without judgment, without pushing it away, without either repressing it or indulging it, that middle way creates a kind of a, it's like a bath or something. It's like this this solvent, this kind of mindfulness. is like a solvent that creates the conditions for those patterns, those habits of reactivity to begin to release themselves. And this is something some of you I know, many of you have experienced for yourselves at times. When you kind of begin to recognize, oh, you know, this is actually, this is what's happening. And instead of trying to fight it or fix it or change it, but just kind of, oh, well, what is this? What is this frustration what is this experience? And just being curious about it, that very activity changes the whole dynamic. And sometimes that frustration or that 
irritation or whatever is happening just begins to release. And even if it doesn't begin to release in that moment, basically the mind is beginning to learn these states. It learns viscerally. These states of reactivity are not so helpful. I know that when I first started mindfulness practice, it kind of came as a shock to me when I, I was doing this practice in daily life and looking at my anger in particular because my anger was the thing that was really ruling my life. I was creating, I was making me non-functional at times. And so I was really interested in understanding my anger and started just watching it in daily life. And, you know, the, this turning towards, um, it, it created the conditions for that, uh, you know, at first it was just like, well, you know, why, why do I want to do this? You know, this hurts. This hurts. But one of the things I began to see in that was that I didn't know how much it hurt. That was actually an insight. When mindfulness can be non-judgmental about these reactive states and can actually recognize, oh, this causes suffering in this being right now. I mean, in my mind at that time, I was really angry with a particular person. And... um, in my mind, before I started really turning and paying attention to, okay, what is the experience of anger? I somehow thought that the anger was going to make the other person miserable. But I had no clue it was making me miserable. I mean, that's the, that's the level of delusion that our minds can be in. Without this mindfulness, without turning towards our experience, we miss the fact that these states create suffering here and now in our being. So this, the mindfulness both creates the conditions for us to begin to let go of reactive states, but then as we turn towards joy, turn towards compassion, turn towards love, as we begin to explore those states, we see that actually the heart really resonates, that the system understands this is the way to well-being. And so... It doesn't create the conditions for that to fall apart. It, it creates the conditions for that to become more frequent in our lives. So this practice of mindfulness has this beautiful um, double-sided benefit. It helps us to let go of the reactivity and it helps to support the nurturing of these beautiful, wholesome qualities of mind. So, one thing I want to say is that right mindfulness, this kind of turning towards, being curious about, okay, what is happening right now? Doesn't mean that we become a passive blob. Sometimes this, the way we talk about it, it can sound that way, you know, that, oh, just turn and notice what's happening in the present moment. as we turn and notice what's happening in the present moment, we often see, what we do often see, is that a lot of our actions are motivated by habitual patterns of reactivity. And so from that standpoint, 
sometimes we do see that certain actions that we have been familiar with taking and the way that we've gone around it, that the motivations that we've engaged with have not been so helpful. And so some of those actions and those motivations may begin to diminish or we may begin to recognize as we're getting ready to say something and see the, you know, the urge to lash out at somebody in our hearts. If we catch that right before we speak, we might choose not to act. We might choose not to speak. And yet, as we do connect with the more wholesome qualities like compassion and love, and generosity, what we see is that those act, those heart qualities also want to act. Generosity wants to give. Compassion wants to help alleviate suffering in the world. Kindness wants to connect. So we don't end up even as we let go of the reactivity, we don't end up just being a passive being in this world. On the contrary, we end up being a more active, responsive being in this world. You know, the Buddha wasn't a passive being in his world. He, he actually tried to stop a water war. He walked out onto the battlefield between two, two sides fighting over water rights on a river, trying to stop the war. And he was not just, oh, people fighting? Oh, that's arising. <laughs> he took action. Much of what he did in his life was based on compassionate action. All the teachings that he left for us. In fact, you know, the very moment when he awakened, it is said, I mean, how can we know what actually went on in the mind of the Buddha uh, when he awakened? But it is said that he thought, wow, this is really kind of subtle what I've discovered, and it would be hard to teach people this, but that would be vexing if if people didn't get it, so maybe I shouldn't teach. Then he reconsidered out of compassion for people who could get it. All of us are the beneficiaries of his deciding to teach. So he was active in this world. So that's the kind of mindfulness we are doing and a little bit about why it's helpful as we turn towards our experience what we begin, with that kind of perspective, how we begin to see what hurts and what helps. And often with, so I'd like to explore a little bit more, in a little bit more depth, why it's helpful. You know, why is mindfulness helpful? There's, there's, you know, there's so many reasons why it's helpful. I just, I'll just mention a few here. I don't think this list is exhaustive by any means. Um, mindfulness is about connecting to what's happening in the present moment. This is helpful because the present moment is the only place anything happens. If we're not aware of what's happening in the present moment, essentially we are on autopilot, letting our habits, our patterns, our conditioned tendencies just 
run the show. We are often some kind of, you know, lost in thought, lost in thoughts about past or future. But what are these thoughts about past and future? No thoughts about the past. What is a thought about the past? It's a it's an experience, a recollection, a memory that's arising in the present moment. So thoughts about the past happen in the present moment. Thoughts about the future are constructions of possibility in our mind happening in the present moment. There is no past or future that actually exists. It's all a construction of mind. And so if we are not aware of what's happening in the present moment, we are basically missing our lives. There's a poem that the Buddha shared. I'll just read part of it. Let not a person revive the past or on the future build their hopes. For the past has been left behind and the future has not been reached. Instead, with insight, let them see each presently arisen state. Let them know that and be sure of it, invincibly, unshakably. So this is speaking to, with insight, let them see each presently arisen state. This is speaking to knowing what's happening in the moment as what's happening in the moment. That may mean that you... This doesn't mean that we don't have thoughts of past or future. But this means that we are aware of them as something happening in the present moment. It is possible, and this is one of the great um, things that we begin to discover as we practice in daily life, it is possible to be mindful while thinking. It's a good thing, because uh, if it weren't, then huge swaths of our daily life would be off-limits. But it is possible to know that thought is happening in the present moment. So we can be aware thinking about the past is happening. What this ten- and thinking about the future is happening. What this tends to do is where we become aware of the thinking about the past or the future as something happening in the present moment. We begin to recognize whether it's useful to be thinking about this or not. Typically, you know, we're just off lost in the past, thinking about whatever it is. And, you know, it may or may not be useful. But with the mindfulness, then there can be some discernment. Is this actually useful? Is this serving? Is this serving me in this moment to be thinking about this? I would say, based on the exploration of this mind, that the vast majority of thoughts are not so helpful. Not so necessary. There's a lot more quietude that's possible. And we can still function in this world. We, we do need to think. We need to plan. We need to uh, organize and uh, connect to live. We are social beings. And yet so much of the way our minds do things is extra. And, you know, not only this... We have like a thought of the, the past arising in the present moment. So this is, this is speaking to another kind of benefit of noticing what's happening in the present moment, noticing, being mindful in the present moment, is that suffering is happening now. When we are suffering, it's happening now. It's not like, like if we're 
thinking about something that happened in the past over which we were suffering. You know, something that happened where we are angry about something that happened in the past. Well, what's happening now is that there's a thought thought arising about the past and the mind is reconstructing reactivity in this moment. We can start to see this in our meditation. You know, we're sitting here, you know, minding our business, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in. Some random thought appears in our mind about something that happened two weeks ago, somebody we were mad at, and boom, we're mad. It's not that somehow we have, you know, tapped into a well of the anger that was there in the past. It is being created now. So this is, this is an important thing to begin to recognize. This can happen about the future, too. This is even more amazing. I mean, at least about the past, it's like maybe something that was happened, you know. About the future, it's like our minds construct something and then react to it. It's, uh, you know, our minds are making things up and then reacting to them. And we are suffering from that process, so we can begin to see this as we, as we watch in the present moment and see, first of all, how much of the thoughts of past and future are, are not so necessary, and then how much reactivity tends to come from those thoughts. We learn about our minds. We learn about the habits. We learn about the patterns of our minds. So again, you know, this, the, the, the practice, it would be nice if we could recognize, oh, the mind's making that up? I don't have to react to that. Again, it doesn't work that way. Our mind will create a scenario from the future and it will react to it. Any point in the process when you become aware of it, mindfulness is helpful. It may be that you can become aware of the thinking, the thought of the future, you know, thinking or thinking the memory, seeing the memory of that past situation arise. If you catch it when that thought arises, you may see that in that moment, oh, it's just, it's just a thought. And if mindfulness is there in that moment, maybe that thought just fades and there's not the reactivity that's born. But perhaps that thought has caught us. We weren't so mindful of seeing it arise and the reactivity came along. The reactivity was created. And then we wake up. In that moment, we can't go back and undo the reactivity. But what we can be is aware, oh, the heart is hurting here again. Okay, reaction's happening. Can I know that? And as we talked about, as I talked about before, as we explored before, how helpful it is to recognize that that reactivity is painful here and now. It was so interesting to me to see just how much of my life I was living in this world of imagined reactivity. You know, I would, I would um, have some idea about something my partner might do in the future and then get angry at my partner. <laughs> and I, I, like, you know, spent a lot of time in this space. I mean, it was along the lines of something that... that he might have done, but, you know, so 
when we can see this pattern happening, we begin to, the, the mind begins to understand it's not a useful pattern, and slowly it begins to let go of that. And so by bringing our attention to the present moment, paying attention to what's happening in the present moment, there's a different ways that this um, freedom from reactivity starts to happen. Some of it can happen because as we bring our attention to the present moment, maybe we can just pay attention to the breath. That cultivates concentration. You know, in sitting meditation, that cultivates concentration. And that creates a container of stability of mind which protects us from reactivity for for periods of time. So we get a flavor for what it feels like to not be so reactive. We get a flavor of what the mind without all of that extra stuff feels like. So that supports the letting go of the... It's like it's, the mind begins to learn another way of being by seeing, you know, oh, it's actually possible to just hang out with the breath for a little while or to just be here with the experience like in this um, sitting. You know, lots of different... I was doing open awareness and so a lot of sounds and body sensations, just a flow of experience, just able to stay connected to this dream of human experience. That can, be, that can be a place where reactivity doesn't enter in because the mind is just on to the next thing. It's like a sound of uh, a car goes by and the mind isn't following it out or judging it or doing anything with it. It's just sound is happening and then a body sensation's happening, a feeling of mind is happening, just moment after moment. So we start to see a different way of being by connecting to the present moment. We also start to see the letting go that happens as we kind of are able to just hang out with our reactivity. As I was talking about before, watching the reactivity go away. Sometimes I think about being mindful in this way as kind of like putting the mind into neutral You know, it's like whatever is happening when the mind goes into neutral, it doesn't stop. It's like if you're going, you know, 50 miles an hour down the freeway or 100 miles an hour down the freeway and you put a car into neutral, the car doesn't stop. It it keeps going with its momentum. But when you put it into neutral, you know it's going to slow down and it's going to come to a stop because of just the laws of nature. And likewise, as we put our minds into neutral and open to, oh, this is what it feels like to have frustration arising. That putting the mind into neutral, basically the law of impermanence around frustration will take effect and it will let go. When we're not giving gas to our reactivity, putting our foot on the gas pedal, often through thoughts is how that happens. You know, why should I be so frustrated and why they shouldn't have done that and how I'm going to tell them what they need to do. All of that is putting your foot on the gas pedal of that emotion. Take the foot off the gas pedal and just notice this is the experience of frustration. And there's no more fuel for it. And it will come to a stop. And so again, the the being present in the present moment creates that condition.
the last piece I'll bring in is that um, so the present moment's the only place anything ever happens. The present moment is where our suffering is created and where it can fall apart when we are aware of what's happening in the present moment. The other really important point about being aware, knowing what's happening in the present moment, is that the present moment is the only place we have a choice. In our usual state of mind, when we're not mindful, our habits are choosing what we're doing. We're on autopilot, kind of navigating the world based on our conditions, based on our conditioning, based on everything that's happened to us up to this point. And so the choices that we are making are based on habitual tendencies, our habits and patterns. And often, not always by any means, but often those habits and patterns are based in wanting to get what we want, get rid of what we don't want. It's based in kind of greed, aversion, confusion. Often our habits and patterns are based in not so helpful tendencies of mind. And so if we are not aware in the present moment, basically a lot of the time, greed, aversion, and delusion are running the show. So when we become aware, you know, a lot of the time we think, you know, actually as we start to look at what's going on in our minds, there's so much of what's happening that's kind of below the surface of our conscious awareness, we think, how would it be possible to even begin to see those habits and patterns at work? They're so deeply conditioned. And it's true that they're very deeply conditioned, but what I've seen is that the mindfulness has the power. The more we practice with mindfulness, it's like the mindfulness, the more continuous it gets, the, more, the stronger the mindfulness it gets, the more it can penetrate into what we might think of as the subconscious. And we can begin to see those moments of a little bit of tightening and wanting to leap out and say something. And so we can begin to notice moments before we act. We can begin to recognize, I'm about to speak, and know in that moment what we're going to say and maybe something about why we're going to say it. And if we see ooh, some tightening around that, ooh, we maybe have a choice to not follow that pattern. And when we see something that we're acting on based out of compassion and kindness, the heart being open, we, we can follow that. We know we can follow that and learn from what happens because... You know, we never, we don't understand all the conditions in the world. And even when we're acting out of really beautiful intention, sometimes we don't know something, we don't understand something, and so we may have to learn, see how our actions impact the world. And so with mindfulness in the present moment, we can begin to know We can begin to uncover these habitual tendencies and begin to see the moments before we act, the moments before we act, before we speak. Even it's possible to recognize and see 
kind of the intention towards a pattern or habit. It's possible to see, and this, this you might think that that sounds like, um, you know, really advanced practice, to be able to see the mind intending to get angry or intending to uh, think. But within the first few months of my practice, this was possible for me in daily life. That I, I, could, I could watch, that, you know, I would just be doing something and I'd watch a thought arise and see the kind of whole, like, host of habits come along to that thought that was just like having me want to jump on that thought and think more thoughts in order to get angry. But recognizing that that way lies suffering, the mind just released it. And so we can see the moment before the mind is going somewhere. And in that moment, sometimes there's a conscious choice that we can make. We say, oh, ooh, I'm getting ready to speak, and maybe I cannot do that. In this case of, of seeing the mind inclining towards anger, in that case, the mind chose to let go of that direction. It wasn't something I consciously did. It was, it was like the mind let it go because it knew that way lies suffering. So it was, li- it was almost like how if you reach out and touch a pot on the stove, you know, how you withdraw the hand because the system knows that that's going to create damage in the body, that's going to be harmful to the body. Very similarly, in this period of time when I was watching my anger, the mind and body got the very direct visceral understanding. Anger is suffering. When anger arises in this being, it hurts. And so when the mind saw the movement towards anger, it, it said, I don't think so. And let it go. And this, in, my, in daily life, this was possible in daily life, in the first three months of my practice, I hadn't even really been sitting very much. And so the possibilities for what we can see with mindfulness, not only in sitting, but in daily life, it's quite amazing. I think there's probably no, I don't think there's really a barrier. I think that the mindfulness can penetrate through what we would think of as our subconscious. And so I'd just like to hopefully inspire you to not just leave your mindfulness on the cushion, but look at what's possible in daily life as well. So I've talked the whole time. Thank you for your attention.